So this morning, um, I'd like to continue to unfold the meditation guidelines. Just to check, can you hear me clearly? And yeah, with a real sense of continuing to unfold them um, over the days rather than, um, you know, some retreats we kind of offer something new every day and this is a little bit different, kind of just continuing to unfold um, and deepen into the, into the practices that we've already introduced. Um, and, and the first thing I wanted to do was actually... Um, Maybe touch on a little bit about some of the of the terminology that we've been using. Um, language is a is a wonderful and funny old thing. Um, yeah, we can say a word um, and can have so many different meanings, and sometimes that can get a little bit confusing. So, um, just wanted to touch on awareness and attention uh, briefly. Um, and awareness is, when we speak about awareness, we're speaking about that quality of knowing experience, that which knows. Yeah, so right now, um, you're aware of the sound of my voice, for example. Yeah, so you know the sound of the voice. You know that. Um, you know the content also of what I'm speaking hopefully it's clear enough and awareness um, is guided through the possibility of directing attention okay so this is the this is the, the relationship between awareness and attention so right now we could be aware of many many things yeah but you're directing your attention to Well, at least I think you are directing your attention to me and what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's a direction, directing of the attention towards the particular, which then uh, guides the awareness there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Might 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 be just me, but I find that it helpful to kind of think, okay, that's you know. So for example, in the in the meditation, we're often saying, you know, bring the attention to the contact areas with the seat or with the ground, so we're bringing the attention there, and that guides the awareness into the body. Okay. So to, to make that. And then, um, just to kind of thread in mindfulness, which is a, a word that um, many of us have, have heard in, in recent years, um, where does mindfulness fall in there? So mindfulness would be um, that um, being with the object of the attention. Okay, so kind of staying or being or coming back to the object of attention, that would be the mindfulness <coughs> aspect of another faculty of our mind. These are all faculties of the mind. Skills the mind has, talents that the mind has. So I just wanted to kind of clarify those and, and hopefully that, that will be um, useful. And I also wanted to speak a little bit about the process of meditation, what actually happens 
and in the kind of practices that we're doing here. Again, there's something that I found useful in my own practice and also in, in the practice of, of um, offering meditation teachings to others. Um, so what we're doing in the practice right, is that we have an object of meditation and we are um, directing the attention to that object and as we do that, the awareness follows, is guided there. And what we're doing in that directing of attention is like a, like to use the word, a gathering or collecting of our attention. Um, and as we do that, yeah, and, and this may not feel that this is your experience at all, but as we do that, that kind of reduces the amount of stimulation that the mind is receiving through that direction of attention yeah, towards what are fairly neutral objects, yeah, breath, body. Yeah, not so exciting, you may have noticed that already. <laughs> breath is not that exciting. <laughs> Unless it's difficult to breathe, then it becomes very exciting. But yeah, that's another another thing. But generally, yeah, we find it quite a neutral thing, yeah. Happen doesn't need us to kind of motivate it in order to happen, it just happens and it's it's quite neutral. So as we so we, we guide it towards something that is fairly neutral, not so exciting, and as we do that, the stimulation in the mind um, over time yeah, reduces and settles. The mind can settle. And what that allows is for us to see more clearly what is there. Yeah. So we meet our experience with more clarity. Yeah. Ah, there's this kind of mood, or there's this kind of um, tension somewhere in the body, or in the kind of place where the body and the, and the mind are a little bit indistingu- indistinguishable from each other. Yeah. We start to see more clearly what is there. There's this kind of thought kind of constantly coming through. And when we see more clearly what is there, um, then that really opens up the possibilities of response. Yeah, so touching yesterday on the kind of how much the momentum of our lives is, is habitual. Right? We're not, there's so much stimulation going on, we don't see clearly what is there, and then we are just kind of propelled through our lives by the momentum of habits, yeah, of what we've done before. It's a a very beautiful insight to to see that and then see, ah, but there's other possibilities. The more clarity we have, the more sensitivity we have, the more possibility, wider our arena of response is. And an image I often use to to clarify this process that I've just described, and for me images are often much more useful than than words, um, is of these... um, you know, little plastic kind of globe things that you get in tourist places. So, you know, I always use the Eiffel Tower. Uh, I don't know why, but probably had one of those when I was a kid, and that's the reason. Um, but, you know, you get this plastic globe, and there's an Eiffel Tower inside, and then you shake it, and there's, like, so-called snowflakes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that's our mind in its usual state. It's constantly being shaken by stimulation and by activity, by movement. And when the snowflakes are there, we can't see what's there very clearly. 
and if we put it down, it settles, right? All the snowflakes go to the bottom, they're not, there's no movement anymore to agitate them. And then we can see what's there. So that's a lot of what we're doing in meditation practice. One of the interesting things um, that can happen is that with more clarity, we may see more of the mind's activity. Yeah? So we might feel like, you know, what's she talking about? The mind settling, clarity, you know, seeing clearly, or like, you know, just kind of seeing all this movement and being swept away by all this movement. But yeah, stay with it. And that seeing clearly of the movement is, is already more clarity. Yeah, it's already more clarity. There's already more steadiness in that seeing. Um, and yeah, from the clear seeing, more possibility of attending to experience, more possibility of responding skillfully. So that's one kind of thread that's happening in, in the practice. Yeah, as we're just kind of with the breath or with the body, doing the practice, coming back, steadying, collecting um, the mind, reducing the stimulation, more clarity, and more possibilities of response. Um, and the other thread is the thread we I, I was touching on last night of uh, becoming more sensitive, more familiar with the ways of looking that are present. Yeah? So we also see more, part of what we're seeing is what way of looking is present right now, what's colouring the mind. And um, also nourishing, yeah, nourishing ways of looking that are um, supportive, that are wholesome, that are helpful. Yeah, like the ones we've been touching on, playfulness, patience, curiosity, um, the kindness. And so one way we can divide, uh, we can look at the practice, um, again this is something I find helpful, is we can see what we're doing here, we can divide it into three, uh, three steps. Okay, so the first one, and I'm, and I'm really talking about this simple, you know, we sit down on the cushion um, and we're bringing the awareness into the body and then we choose our meditation object, body or breath, and we make the intention, this is the first step, we make the intention to bring the attention to that object. Yeah, so we, have, we actually have an intention there, this is really um, valuable to notice or to kind of, um, yeah, kind of sit into a little bit. There's an intentionality in what we're doing. We're we're making a choice. There's an intention to bring the attention to the breath of the body, or if you're outside, walking to the steps. And then we actually do that. Yeah, that's the second step. We actually bring, guide the attention, bring the attention to the breath or the body. That's a step in the process that we're doing. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in in a little while. And then the the third step is when we notice that we're no longer with that object of meditation. And I really want to highlight that this is part of the meditation. It's not, oh, I failed, I'm not meditating now. This is part of the process. When we notice no longer with the breath, and no longer with the, with the contact of the feet on the ground, whatever it is that we're doing. Um, that's part of the process, and we notice that. And for most of us, most of the time, that's most of where our practice is going to be. Okay, 
is in that place of noticing and then attending to that, attending to that and bringing back. So I want to kind of extend that a little bit because often uh, what happens is we notice we're no longer with the object and it kind of comes like, you know, like, no longer with the object, oh no, back to the breath. Yeah? And it can have kind of different, you know, according to your personality and your tendencies, that can have different energies. Uh, but actually, if we see this as part of the practice and we actually attend to it, it's okay, here's, a, here's a, an opportunity to cultivate yeah, a different relationship to experience. That starts with that moment when we notice. Yeah, and so we can, over time, kind of really start to <coughs> recognize whatever is at play there. Like, I mean, often is judgment, harshness, yeah, hurry, sense of rush. All of these can be there. And so that just if one, what, what happens to the experience when we say, ah, oh, this is actually not, this is part of what I'm doing, this is part of the practice. So I, I, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'd like to speak a little bit about what, um, what we often discover in those moments, yeah, so when we find ourselves. And we find ourselves not with the object of meditation, but somewhere else. Uh, what we may find there, in that in that place, and um, I think you have mentioned these yesterday at some point. Um, but there are particular. I like to think of them as um, kind of particular energies or kind of forces within us, internal forces in our psyche that tend to kind of pull us away, yeah, or get in the way of the, um, that intention to be with the breath or be with the body. Okay? And in the tradition, there's five of them. Um, they pretty much cover the bases, but sometimes, again, you might find that for yourself there's something more precise that that kind of comes up and, and then it's really fine to add it to this basket of um, distracting kind of distracting energies things that pull us away in the meditation often quite repetitively and so yeah one useful way of, of, um, of seeing this is you know we're guiding the attention to the breath say um, and then there's tiredness, which is one of these distracting energies, and tiredness pulls the attention away. Yeah. And there's tiredness, the attention goes to the tiredness. Yeah, this is one of them. It's um, kind of the other side of the coin from tiredness would be restlessness or agitation. Yeah, can you see there are two sides of the coin, they're both um, on this spectrum between calm and energy. Too much calmness, not enough energy, there'll be tiredness in the body or dullness in the mind. Too much energy, not enough calm, there'll be agitation and restlessness in the body and or in the mind. So these are two of of these distracting um, energies that can come up and they pull the attention 
away from the object. And so the helpfulness of noticing, you know, when I notice my mind has moved away, and not just pushing it back onto the breath, but actually noticing what is there. Yeah, there's a, there's a usefulness in naming. Ah, there's tiredness. Ah, there's restlessness. There's a usefulness in that recognition. And I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, so I just want to name the five. So the restlessness um, and the tiredness of dullness, that's, those are two that are kind of on one spectrum. Um, the second pair, I'm not, I'm not saying them in the traditional order, by the way, so you may have noticed that. Um, the second pair is um, the movement of desiring something, wanting something that isn't here. Yeah, so we're being pulled away from this moment into something else. You know, and that something might be, you know, lunch. It might be, um, you know, the, the time in my life when I perfect this and I become as calm and collected as these two behind us, Kuan Yin and Buddha. Yeah, I can be pulled into that kind of thing. So it's not necessarily positive, neg- positive, negative. Yeah, I'm pulled into something, pulled from this moment and into something. Um, and the the other side of the coin from that being pulled towards something is rejecting something, or you know, being kind of um, pushed away, pushing away, or being pushed away from something. So aversion. So not wanting what is here. And the reason I'm saying the two sides of a coin is when there's one, there's always the other. This can become an interesting game. If there's desire for something, there's aversion towards something and the other way around. So, you know, if, for example, I'm, um, you know, my mind is restless and there's aversion towards that, you know, I don't want a restless mind, I want a peaceful mind. Do you see? I don't want the restless mind, I want the peaceful mind. They be there together. And that, it's just, a, it's just a, a game that we can play with the mind to just open up the space. Um, the two sides. But the movement is the same movement. It's the movement away from what is here into something else. Yeah. I don't want this or I want that. And the fifth one is a standalone doesn't have the other side of the coin and that's um, doubt <coughs> confusion yeah, it's often a sense of oh, I don't know what I'm doing um, I don't know what's happening um, and then it can manifest in different ways self-doubt, um, doubt in others doubt in the path, doubt in the teachings doubt in the teachers yeah, you name it um, again it's a movement that, that we know in our lives <coughs> And one really helpful thing with these, with these five is um, to put them in the context that we've been speaking about of ways of looking. So they arise, they come up in the mind, yeah, they kind of pop up in the mind. And they color our perception. Yeah? This is why they're so powerful. Yeah? They become what we see through. And the Buddha had a wonderful um, image for this, a wonderful simile. He said that the mind is um, like a, can be, (laughs) 
like a clear forest pool, you know, when you're kind of walking somewhere in nature and you come across a body of water that's so clear and so calm that you can see really clearly what is underneath. Yeah, you can see the, the stones and the vegetation and the bottom of the pool, whatever's there, you can see really clearly. That is a natural state of the mind. Um, and when the hindrances are present, they, uh, they affect the pool. And this is the imagery that he gave. So when desire is present, yeah, so when there's that pull towards something else other than what is here, it's as if someone threw a coloured dye into the pool and it's kind of coloured, yeah, it's coloured by that dye. So we're not seeing things clearly, we're seeing things coloured by desire. When aversion is present, it's as if the water in the pool is boiling. And so I think this is one, such a great image. I think of aversion as the spectrum, you know, of anger and ill will. The water in the pool is boiling and it's bubbling and steaming. And again, that's what we see, right? We see the bubbles and the steam. We don't see what else is there. Colors of deception. When um, traditional words for the dullness and tiredness are sloth and turpa. Never pronounced that word right. Um, but anyway, when that is present, when there's dullness and um, tiredness, low energy in the body and the mind. Um, it's as if the pool was overgrown by, you know, algae and um, you know all these plants that grow when there's not enough oxygen in the water. Um, and so it's very kind of um, stagnant, yeah, in the mind. That's the, that's the image of, of, of the, the dullness. Um, when there's restlessness and agitation, it's as if there's quite a strong wind that keeps blowing waves across the pool. And again, what we see is the movement of the water. We see the waves, but we don't see clearly. And when there's doubt, um, and I, I, I like that this image as well, I like all of them, but when there's doubt, it's as if someone kind of went into the pool with their hand and kind of really... Um, stirred up the mud at the bottom and then all we see is this muddy agitation in the, in, in the water we see the, 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 the mud and the, and the movement rather than um, what is there okay. so if if you resonate with any of this imagery it can be a real sense of ah, what does that what does that do to the experience yeah of feeling, you know, aversion or feeling dullness or feeling restlessness when I have that image in mind. Yeah. Like, that's what it's like. That's what's happening. It's a way of looking that's operating. Um, but it's not the nature of experience, yeah? It's a movement that's passing through. Yeah? And remembering that it really colors, really, really colors the perception. Yeah? And that's part of what we're uh, we're doing here, we're freeing ourselves from believing that 100%. Yeah. So even if there's a 0.000001 yeah, aspect of us that remembers this is a perception, this is a way of looking. It's not the whole story. There's a great degree of freedom in that. So we're looking for these gaps, we're looking for this knowing. Something that can 
um, support us and accompany us in life. So that can really be helpful. Yeah, so I just recognizing there's a way of looking here and it's one of these. And maybe just to say, often they come together. You may have already gotten that as I was speaking. Yeah, the restlessness will arise and there'll be aversion to the restlessness. And then with aversion, as I said, there'll be desire. So they, often they can come together. That will create some doubt and confusion. So often they come together, and that's fine, and we don't need to analyze, you know, but we just notice what is prominent right now. And we remember, oh, that's a way of looking. And that already gets us in contact with a little bit more than just that overwhelming sense of, you know, tiredness or restlessness or whatever is there. And that's a big, um, a big part of how we work with this or kind of what you know how, how we find freedom in that is that sense of recognition yeah so remember if we go back to the steps of the practice we notice that we're no longer with the object of meditation and we just take time to acknowledge that okay the mind has moved and what is the way of looking are any of these present right now we just kind of open. We don't need to analyze or look too hard. You know, we don't make it into a project. We just open up to see. And then what happens when I recognize a name? It, you know, it might just be our oh, hindrance, a distracting energy, even not going into which one, a way of looking. That's not helpful right now, it's present. We just name it. It opens up the space. Opens up the space. So yeah, one way of or yeah, one way of unsticking ourselves a little bit from these ways of looking or allowing some movement is just that recognition. Oh, it's here. And another um, step we can add on is okay, this is here. Yeah, aversion is here. What happens if I allow it? Yeah, because, you know, as I said, we, we, we tend to work very fast. And part of what's happening, part of what gives these distracting energies their power is that we're resisting them. Yeah, out of a good intention. Yeah, we want to, we want to do the practice well, so we want to get back to the breath. Yeah. So then we're resisting, we're trying to push that away, we're trying to jump over it yeah. and get back to the breath, get back to what we're meant to be doing. Okay, so there'll be some layers of resistance. So what happens if I allow? I say, okay, there's restlessness and there's resistance to the restlessness. Or there's a distracting energy and there's a resistance to that. Can I just breathe with that? Can I just breathe with that? And just allow it. Allow doesn't mean... Um, that I then kind of float off into fantasy land, as appealing as that is. Yeah. But it's recognizing and allowing, accepting that this is here, and I can just give it a few breaths. And then we can bring in some investors. Is that a question? I just Sorry, I can't quite hear you. If you're struggling with tiredness and you keep nodding, yeah. and 
um, it's very hard to address that in this sort of accepting way because mm-hmm. that might lead them to actually feeling stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why we're, 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 we're doing, like, um, I haven't introduced it that way, but there's four steps. So the recognition was the first one, the allowing is the second. And it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's a real, all of these are, as, you know, everything we've been doing, they're simple, but they're not easy. And each of them is like a world in itself. You have to find the balance. How do I allow without then just getting swept into something? Yeah, whether it's a fantasy in the mind or the sleepiness in the body. Um, so the third step is investigation. Um, and we've actually already, with all of this, we've already what we're bringing in is the quality of interest. So just by recognizing and then allowing, we're already bringing interest in. And then we're, ramp, we're kind of putting up the volume of the interest with, with a sense of investigation. So what is this experience? You know, how does it actually feel in the body? How does it actually affect the mind? Um, and what happens when I start playing with it in different ways? So for example, with tiredness, what happens if I uh, bring more, uh, more attention to the in-breath? Yeah. If I bring more attention to the in-breath, what happens with that? Um, what happens if I imagine light coming into the body? There can be different ways for each of these that we can work with, with investigation. But the main thing with all of these is that we're amping up the interest, putting up the interest levels in the experience, in the investigation. So we're kind of turning what is difficult, what is a problem, we're turning it into a, um, an object of meditation in itself. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. And again, it's... it's, it's not easy. Yeah, it's something we're learning to do. But we can, as we cultivate sensitivity, we can uh, feel how just with a little bit of interest, something may shift, very little bit. Um, but it might not disappear. We're not, it's not a, I call this the deal making. It's not, you know, I'll do this practice so that you go away. Yeah, the tiredness, it might be physical tiredness and it might still be there. But we're, we're changing the relationship. That's what we're exploring. When I change the, the relationship, what happens to the experience? So, recognizing, allowing, um, investigating. And with the investigation, we can also look at, um, is this constant or changing? That's also a really important thing we can weave in. Is this constant or changing? Um, so something with, like tiredness might be more tricky to do, but restlessness is wonderful for that, or aversion or desire. Is it constantly the same, or is there change within it? And we're talking about that in relationship to body pain. So all the steps that I'm talking about now also are very helpful with, with discomfort in the body. Is it constant, or is there change within it? And if that change includes moments of not that, yeah, or very reduced. So, you know, restlessness may have gaps where there's no restlessness, or the restlessness is much less acute. And what happens if I rest there? Yeah. What happens if I rest there? And all of that leads to the fourth step, which is non-identification. 
Part of what happens um, with this kind of distracting energy, or actually most of the things in our experience, is that they become about me. Yeah, and they become who I am. I'm a bad meditator because I'm restless. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm a bad person because I've got so much aversion in my mind. Yeah, it becomes about me, and we kind of hook onto it. And again, that that identification actually strengthens that movement. So what can all of this, the recognition, yeah, that's there. Create space. The allowance, again, can I breathe with it? Create space. The investigation, ah, it's shifting, it's changing, it's moving. Create space. And that, that supports us to, to not hook, to not identify um, so much, but rather seeing this as an energy that's moving through. And it's a very human energy. Yeah? Buddha was talking about it 2,600 years ago, about these five things that come up when we meditate. And here we are 2,600 years later. And that's still our experience. Yeah? So it's not as personal as we think it is. It's human. And what happens when we just see it in that in that context? Again, less personal, less um, less feeding. So you know, all of this is leading to this unhooking or non-identification, seeing that ah, you know. I can take this less personally. It's a way of looking that's arising. And just with bringing interest to it, I'm already changing the way of looking. Yeah. And I'm, I, I will need to keep coming back to that. Yeah. It's not an on-off button that we turn off. We need to come back. But as we do that more and more, that becomes uh, kind of a, something that's more accessible to us. <coughs> So that's a lot of what can happen in that, in that what I call the gap. Yeah? When we notice that the, the mind has moved and we bring it back, we can bring in just the awareness of what is the way of looking and do some of this process um, if, if we wish. And just to give it the acronym, uh, easier to remember, the process is called RAIN. Uh, many of you may have come across it. Recognize, accept, investigate, non-identify. Yeah, a little bit easier to remember. Um, but yeah, just yeah, we can just bring that in, and then we come back to to the object of our practice, um, and and see how that see how that flows uh, for you. And I just like to say a few words about. The second step, so I spoke about three steps, the intention to bring attention, bringing the, the attention, and then this third one that I've spoken quite, quite some length about, um, noticing when the mind has, has moved away. Um, there's also a lot of value in exploring that, bringing, bringing the attention to the object, yeah, that movement. Um, it's part of why we've been exploring 
and the pleasant. I've been exploring noticing the, what's okay, what's good enough, and what feels relatively pleasant in our experience. Um, because there's something about that, doing that <coughs> in a way that will encourage the mind um, to want to do it more. Yeah. Like we see the mind as something that, you know, like anything else in life, moves towards what feels nice and away from what doesn't. Yeah, that's true of everything, plants, animals, humans. Yeah. Move towards the pleasant and away from what is unpleasant. Yes, the mind also can encourage it um, to move in that direction. And so I'll, I'll guide a meditation in, in a couple of minutes um, where we're going to tune into that, again, like we've been doing, tune into what feels okay, what feels good enough, what feels pleasant in the breath and the body. Um, but we'll exp- expand it a little bit, um, particularly if you're working with the breath, to play with breathing in a way that feels comfortable. Yeah, breathing in a way that feels uh, more pleasant or more okay. To see if that's possible. Um, and we're do- we, for most of us that means breathing or inviting the breath to be a little bit longer um, or a little bit deeper than it usually is. Um, it's not, if you've done a lot of yoga, it's not, um, it's not so much like yogic techniques of, of lengthening the breath. Um, quite with quite some um, effort, um, but it's more like an invitation and an exploration. You know, what happens if I breathe a little bit more deeply or make the breath a little bit longer? And this relates to what we've touched on: the mind and body relationship and mutual, mutual dependency. Yeah. So one last thing to, to add before we, we do a, a short guided practice um, is if this whole, if the whole rain thing feels like more than you want to take on at the moment, um, there's a shortcut. It's called the aha moment. Or, um, yeah, I'm going to say this even though we're not going to do it, blowing your own kazoo. So in, in that moment when we notice that the mind has, has moved away, it doesn't matter if that moment comes when the bell rings at the end of the meditation, okay? And you realize, I oh, know, I've sent the whole meditation off somewhere else. Yeah. But that moment, you're here. Yeah, you're with the experience. And at that moment, we can just internally have this kind of aha, you know. And, and in whichever way, you know, I, I call it the aha moment, but it can be, like I said, blowing your own kazoo inside your mind and go, you know, whatever makes you feel, um, kind of opens up some sense of silliness that brings joy. Yeah. Because that's the training of the mind that we're talking about. If that moment becomes pleasant, yeah, and again, doesn't mean if that's silly, yeah, if that moment becomes pleasant in some, to some degree, then that's the association the mind will have with it, yeah, so it will want, it will more likely want to go back there, yeah, that whole thing will become more seamless, so 
this is the shortcut. It must be relieved. You can forget everything I said. Please don't. Um, but you can also just take this and say, okay, those moments, can I pay attention in those moments when I, when I find myself here again, yeah, aware of my experience, and just make that um, you know, opportunity to do a little jig in your mind. Um, or whatever brings that sense of, yeah, just, aha, great. Yeah, well done, you. Mm-hmm. It's whatever, you're allowed to do this, if that's helpful. Yeah, just some sense of, ah. And, um, and yeah, and seeing, seeing, you know, as we're doing that, we're building up that capacity of the mind to, to come back um, in a joyful way. And an image that's often used, and I find it really useful, is training a puppy. You know, you know, if you've recently staying with friends that were training the, the very cute little puppy and just seeing, you know, how when, when, when dogs are young, you're actually not allowed to say no at a very young age. It's just positive affirmation when they do the right thing or what you want them to do, whether that's the right thing is a whole other question. But, you know, just like, ah, and then the joy, yeah, the joy that's there for that little creature, yeah how much they enjoy it. So that's what we're kind of... So you can have an image of yourself as a little puppy. Yay! I got it right, I'm here. Yeah. Hi, um, you gave an example about how you kind of play with um, tiredness. Um, What about, for example, if it's more craving, so if you Mm -hmm. just can't stop thinking about lunch? Yeah. Can you give an example of how to work with that? Yeah. I will, and then I'll, I'll do this guided meditation, and I'm going to have more time. I'll give optional time for questions after this, just to tell other people I will respond to this question. Um, yeah. So there's many, there's many, many ways that we can work with. One is what we've been cultivating here. So there'll be the desire, there'll be the sense of our, you know, thinking about lunch, yeah, and that movement away from the moment. Um, so again, recognizing that that's what's actually happening. And yeah, there's some craving. You know, it's coming from somewhere, something. You know. Just recognizing, accepting that. Um, and then we can bring in, is there anything right now in the breath of the body that feels good enough? Yeah, Coming back to the pleasant or the contentment in the moment. Is there anything right here, right now that feels nourishing, that feels good enough that I can come back to? So that can be a, a something that something that we play with. Um, and you can and if that doesn't feel strong enough, you can bring in gratitude as a practice. Sometimes if the force of the desire is very strong. Um, what is it that I'm grateful for right now? Um, it can be as simple as being, you know, if we're waiting for lunch, I'm grateful for having had a good breakfast. You know, can really, you know, sometimes it's so simple, um, but we can really reflect on that. You know, I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for knowing that I will be, I will be getting a lunch, you know, I will be nourished again. So it's just like opening up the space and changing the context a little bit. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, let's have, um, let's have a practice together. We only have about 10 minutes, but if you, um, if you need to stand up or stretch any part of the body before you settle into your posture, please do that.
settling into your posture. And then guiding the awareness into the body through bringing the attention to the contact areas of body with seat and body with ground. As you do that, also checking in with the balance of uprightness and ease in the body as a whole, but particularly the back of the body. a sense of the awareness within the whole body space and it's this very <coughs> light quality of sensitivity receptivity receiving experience
Is there any aspect of that that feels nice or pleasant to some degree? And can we tune into that even more? To that pleasantness, or that niceness? Gently explore, yeah, breathing in a way that feels maybe just a little bit nicer. Again, with an invitation. A little bit longer, a little bit deeper, in a way that feels more in tune with your well-being. And that is changeable. So allowing yourself to play with that. when you realize that the mind is no longer with the breathing that's a aha moment I'm back letting yourself enjoy that return and then tuning in to the breathing in the body space again particularly to any pleasant, nice, okay, good enough as it is aspect of the breathing. Notice that the body and breath might have a habit as well. A habitual way of moving through the body. And if you notice that, you can check in. Is this the most pleasant, most comfortable way to breathe? Or can I continue to play with lengthening, deepening the breath? 
inviting it deeper into the body and find ways that are more comfortable that bring more ease
So um, there's time for walking practice now, a half an hour until 11, and um, I'm going to stay here for optional questions. So if you have um, questions um, about the practice that you'd like to ask, you, you're welcome to stay. Um, equally, if you don't have a question yourself but you want to listen to other people's questions, you're welcome to stay. So it's not a, you don't have to have a question. Um, yeah. And we will have um, groups later today, so check the notice board to see when your group is meeting and where. Good. Enjoy the day. Yeah, I think it helps a bit, but again, it, then 
Yeah, yeah. So that's it's a natural movement yeah. of the mind, and so um, I, I would I would try a few things. So one is just seeing what happens when you continue with the with the kind of invitation to be, to be comfortable. Maybe start with that through the day, see what happens. Um, and then along with that, remembering that you can open open out the awareness. So you would, you, your, your body was speaking as well as, as your, your words. It get, get, you know, gets like that with the attention. Um, and there's a contraction in there. So relaxing the body when you notice that. And then, uh, and then inviting the awareness to open. So just, and, and that is, you know, a really beautiful practice to do. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, if at any point it feels like it becomes too much, the breath becomes too much as an object, um, either just stay with the body, not the breathing, which can feel strange, um, or what can be easier is open to sound. Yeah, so you're kind of opening the body awareness and then you're opening to sound and you're with the sound rather than the breath. Um, because sound, there's always sound arising and passing in experience. So what you're kind of trying to find a balance with is, um, is to open up more space for the experience. Um, yeah, so some of it is working with the breath directly, but sometimes it may feel like, you know, it's too much and then you need to open something else. Does that feel yeah. doable? Definitely. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yes. So, my question is because when I um, look for the positive physical sensation, it tends to turn out the body negative, negative and the unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, that often happens. Yeah, that often happens. Like you know, for at some at some times for some people. That will be the result. Um, you know, sometimes because there's a lot of unpleasant there, um, and sometimes, uh, yeah, just because that's the conditions at, at, at the time that that will arise. Um, yeah, and that's either if you're looking at the breath or if you're looking in the body. Yeah, more with breath. More with the breath and the body, okay. But with both. With both, okay. So first of all, that's a good insight. So I would kind of let go of, the, of, of doing it with the breath at all. Um, and I would actually see as a, as a base point to see if you can actually open to the pleasant more with other, at other times in other um, situations. So in the walking um, or in the other movements through the day. Um, and with the with the sitting, um, how are you with sound? I'm, I'm fine with sound, and I'm fine with vision. Is the body? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would open to I would use sound, and and notice anything that feels um, nice to some degree in the knowing of the sound. Right. So it can be that a sound is pleasant, but there can be something in the knowing yes. quality that is pleasant. So I would use that. There's no, no, uh, no need to kind of struggle against things, and then, and then that will inform uh, probably also the body over time. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, when I'm breathing, there's a lot of resistance in the mind um, to feel good. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll Yeah. 
Yeah, that's again like that can that can really come up, and that's something that we see in ourselves. There's actually a resistance towards um, feeling good. Some of it might be um, a matter of language, so finding the language that that will feel um, kind of that will meet you. So it can be content or okay or good enough as it is, or neutral even, you know, looking for the neutral, because sometimes we have, most of us have quite a lot of conditioning of resistance to the, to, you know, there's something in us that kind of doesn't want to go that way to the good. So it might be, yeah, starting with the neutral um, and, and going to the breath or parts of the body in areas that, we, that you know are quite neutral, and kind of, they're just not good or bad. Um, but even the neutral actually gives quite a lot of space it's a, and, it, and it's a place that we don't usually um, make much contact with. Does that feel doable? Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to so find a place of, yeah, of balance, of, of kind of, uh, yeah, and, and kind of seeing that, and then with time kind of seeing that as a resting place. Um, yeah. Yeah, try that. And and also, you know, like any, maybe to say this, that any kind of practice uh, that we do, it doesn't, it's not always suitable for us at any given time. So it's not about getting it. Yeah. So we're kind of working with it, playing with it, but if it's more about just, you know, the breath as a, as a, as a neutral movement through the body, that's great. Yeah. It's, and it's doing the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, just looking for something in the breath or the body that feels... That feels, um, yeah, feels neutral, not good, not bad, but kind of in that not good, not bad is actually okay. Good. Anything else? Okay. Did you have something, Abby? Well, I kind of have the same problem as I go. Um, just, I, I feel like for a long time, feels like bringing attention to the breath causes distress then use a different object of meditation that's why there's different ones and that's why we're constantly emphasizing breath and body um, so if it's possible to work with the body then then be in the body yeah and find places in the body that feel okay yeah and that will be the object of your meditation if that feels for some people the body feels too um, vague yeah um, and so if there isn't, if it feels like you can't find an anchor for the, for the attention in the body, then use sound, like I was, like I was um, encouraging her to do. Like sound is really, it's like the breath and the fact that it's always there. 
and it's very much happening. Yeah, we're not creating it. Um, so you can ground, begin by grounding the body, and then you open up the awareness to receive the sound. So there's a sense of sound arising, and it changes, and it passes, and it moves, and then something else will come. Yeah, and you can just be with that as the object um, is flowing through. Um, and you can open with the, with the pleasant, like I was saying earlier, you can open to um, any sense of okayness or niceness in the knowing of the sound. Yeah, in the knowing of the sound. So it's kind of like, not necessarily, it can be in the sound itself, but the sound can, you know, have no control, so there'll be some that's, that are more pleasant than others. But so that kind of more, the, the knowing of the sound can have a sense of, of some ease or some pleasantness in it. And part of the exploration, I think it's coming out from your questions, is also what is, when we talk about things being okay or good or pleasant, what does that actually mean? You know, there's like a big range there. Um, 